0: 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
1: This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN.
2: Okay, it's the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM on a President's Day, a Monday, February 21st. It's VSIN The Sports betting Network. I'm Patrick Maher. He of course is Michael Lombardi. So if you didn't Google it, I want to play out. Will Hill's trivia question about the presidents yeah. and quarterbacks. Do you mind? I didn't. Okay, good. No, I didn't Google it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm this the question is five colleges that both had Super Bowl winning quarterbacks and a US president alum, okay? So what I'm going to do is give you the college and then you just fill in the quarterback and president if you may, okay? We'll start with We'll start with Delaware. University of Delaware. Flacco. Flacco, yes, sir. Yes,
1: sir. The president would have me completely baff... Oh, Biden.
2: <laughs> you nailed it. Yeah. Sometimes recency yeah. gets you in trouble, right? We have the history, yeah, but... Exactly. Yep, you yeah. nailed it. That, that is 100% right. Um, okay, next one up. So Delaware is Biden and Flacco. Joe Flacco winning a, a Super Bowl. Fascinating. Okay, this one. Stanford. Yeah, Elway. Yes. At Jim Plunkett. Yes. Uh...
1: And then the president would be, you know, I have Woodrow Wilson on the brain, but I don't think that's right. I'll I give you a clue. More,
2: Brilliant yeah. man, statesman before his presidency. His presidency was a disaster, but it was during a very tough time in our country.
1: Would uh, Calvin Coolidge? I don't know. I'm, Good, I'm Herbert Hoover. Well. Herbert Hoover. Brilliant
2: okay. man, however. He uh, you know, obviously hit with circumstances when he took over the presidency with uh, the Depression. He didn't do much to help himself, to be fair, but we continue. Uh, this, <laughs> one, this one won't be easy. Miami University in Ohio. My, ben, ben Roethlisberger. That's right. Which is
1: easy. And then this one is... Uh, this one's hard. Yeah, I, I, this one, it's one of those obscure presidents. I want to say James
2: Polk. It was Benjamin Harrison, 23rd president yeah. of the United States. His grandfather, of course. His grandfather got cocky during his inaugural speech back in the day, and he didn't wear a jacket nice. when it was freezing. He gave a two-hour speech. He died a couple of weeks later because of pneumonia he caught while giving the speech. That, that wow. being his grandfather, which is pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, next one, University of Michigan. You'll nail this easy. It's Brady, and
1: it's Gerald Ford. It is. And how about Navy. Roger Staubach. Yes, and George Bush was George Bush went to uh, Yale, but uh, I'm
2: trying the the president from Navy. This one's interesting. I didn't. I never. I didn't remember until I I just read it. Jimmy Carter, Naval Academy. Wow, he's a Naval Academy. I didn't realize that until I, I. to be fair, that was on me. I didn't realize that either, but Staubach, of course. Okay, good job, Will Hill, with a little presidential history here and trivia on a President's Day. Um, it's
1: shocking. We haven't had a Princeton. I mean, imagine how many it would be if we had one player from Princeton and win a Super Bowl. We just got to get, get that. You line know? them up. Line, line them, them up. up. Yale, line, Yale and Harvard. That's 100% right.
2: Now, the I don't know if you saw the drama in real time. I know you've seen it by now, and that is what I happened. I did not see it in real time, That's no. what happened at Wisconsin yesterday. So Wisconsin handled Michigan 77-63. It was an important game for Michigan, also important in league for Wisconsin. They can still win the Big Ten, but super important for Michigan because they were one of those last four in, last four out type of teams, uh, and they got it manhandled. Well, towards the end of the game, under a minute to go, uh, Guard called, the head coach there at Wisconsin, called a couple of timeouts that pissed off Juwan Howard, and he called one with only 15 seconds. Now, the reason he did it is because he wanted to reset 10 seconds to come up the court, so there was some, but Howard was upset about it. They started the handshake line, and Howard said something like, I'll remember that, and Guard grabbed his elbow. There's a great job with the video there, vcin.com. And Juwan Howard lost his freaking mind. He went to punch assistant Joe Krabberhoft and ended up slapping him in the head and then it ensued you saw the example that Howard sets because his players started throwing punches right away and frankly last year the same thing happened with Howard he was just restrained he tried to go after Tersian who was coaching Maryland at the time in the Big Ten tournament and he got kicked out of the game so this is there's a history here with Howard. Yeah, no
1: doubt, and, and and obviously your players will behave as you behave, but I think the Wisconsin coach, to me, is as much at fault here as anyone. I mean, you know, look, you, you don't have to – you know, you did what you did. You believe it and move on i mean you don't have to justify it to him or get angry with him and i think the same thing with howard is that you know these are things that you know it's like when a team scores a touchdown late in the game you know john harbaugh gets all upset well it's your job to stop them it's not you know their job to stop themselves so he's managing his game the way he wants to manage it we'll manage our game the way we want to but i think this is clearly this, you know, that conversation, and I wasn't there, but I could tell the house, the the Wisconsin coach was as much to flame the fuel, not making, not saying what Howard did was correct, uh, as anything, and I think that that serves as as much, you know, and I think Howard's got to learn that poise under pressure is what you want to teach your players the most.
2: I think you're right. There are many, including a writer over at the Detroit News, calling for Howard to be fired. I think that's a little drastic. I think sometimes we get caught up in the immediacy of something like this. But as you mentioned, there were other contributing factors. Howard has to do better, and he has to set a better example. I I mentioned, go back to last year, but I think firing the guy over this would be a little extreme.
1: Well, I I think, look, you you know, I mean, he has to, I mean, you have to listen to what, you got to get all the information. We're watching this tape without all the data. We don't know what that coach said to him. And, you know, and I, you say, well, he should never react like that. No, there's no doubt. I, I don't disagree with that. But the coach shouldn't react the way he reacted if he did what I kind of think he did, you know, which I think he kind of fueled the fire a little bit, you know, and went after it. And the frustration that Howard was experiencing on that day, uh, especially a game that was so important, kind of flowed over. And Howard's got to do better. He's got to show better mental toughness. But both of them do. Both of them, too. It takes two to start something, Right. Yeah, And you could just see from that conversation that it was two of them. You know, the coach should just walked over, shook his hand and left, turned around and left. And yeah. if Howard wanted to keep talking to him, walk away. You know, you've got to show mental toughness in times like this. You just can't let the situation rule
2: you. Pretty intense. I mean, he, he, he attempted. That was an overhand right. He wanted to throw, and then at the last second he opened the hand to slap the assistant because I think the momentum was taking him left. But, I mean, that's – It's pretty extreme from Howard. And as like you can just anybody can Google it. It's an overreaction. There's no doubt.
1: There's there's no doubt. And it's something that you can't as a coach, you shouldn't demonstrate to your players because as we all know, the players will assume the personality of the coach. What if a coach is screaming at the officials, the players are gonna scream at the officials. If the coach is screaming at everybody the player. So you have to know what your role is and demonstrate that and operate with poise under pressure. I think it's a learning lesson for certainly for Howard. I mean, he has to use it as a learning tool.
2: Well, and you just, as you mentioned, I mean, this is the team is going to coach. That's the example and the team's going to follow that example. Uh, Howard to me is overrated as a coach. I won't get into it, but he's got all Americans. And this was a team that was ranked six preseason in the country. And now they're dancing on that. Will they or won't they make the tournament? Right now, if you take a look at the Big Ten, Michael, you got locks. Purdue is a lock. Wisconsin's a lock. Illinois's a lock. Ohio State's a lock. Michigan State should get in. Iowa should get in. Rutgers, your Rutgers team still has some work to do. Indiana, a huge spot tonight in Columbus. They've got some work to do. And then, as we mentioned, Michigan's got some work to do as well if they want to make the dance.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I think if according to what Ken Palm writes is the Big Ten and the and the Southeast are kind of similar in their their quality of play. Obviously, the Big 12 is ahead of everybody else. But, you know, I, I do think they're battle tested. I do think that the one thing I would say about the Big Ten, about the Southeast Conference, and certainly the Big 12 is as Gonzaga continues to accumulate all these wins, are they accumulating the the mental toughness and the physical toughness needed to endure a tournament? Mm. I think you right, and, and I think, and I think that's always going to be the problem with Gonzaga. I, I think as much as you, th- you know, they've got all these great players on their team. Are they battle tested? You know, are they battle tested? I mean, you know, back in December they lose a, a nine-point loss, to, you know, to, in, a, in a tournament game to Alabama. That was December fourth. They haven't lost since. They haven't lost since. And have they played any close games since then? I mean, it's hard to find them, Patrick. I mean, it's hard to find them. I mean, it's, you know, uh, you know they, they beat teams by, I mean, St. Mary's, you know, they beat them by 20, almost 20. You know, I mean, Santa Clara the other night. I mean, they only have two more games left, which they should win, and they're going to be double-digit favorites in both games. Are they truly battle-tested? I think that's the fundamental question you've got to ask yourself.
2: <laughs> Felika checking in. The bear, he's pissed that I call Juwan Howard overrated as a coach. I all my friends live in Michigan, and they are completely split down the middle. <laughs> you will be put in your place shortly, says Felica. Well, Dude,
1: Felica I, just got back from Turk and Caicos. He he had the all timer. He was able to miss both Daytona and the NBA All Star well, Game. And if you're, <laughs> you know, so he basically double dipped with a, with a plane ride. I mean, if there's ever going to be a time to take a flight on a Sunday. That Sunday, for me, and I'm sure for Felica as well, I'm not interested in watching hurting my neck watching cars go around. Some people are. Love it, right? And the NBA All-Star, no interest. I mean, it's the perfect day. If you travel on the Sunday of the Masters, you're, you're, you're done. I mean, you're sitting there at the bar trying to find a TV to watch, right? Well, for Felica... probably what? the most perfect... If I was an airplane company, I would advertise the most perfect day to travel is this Sunday,
2: well, Felika, when college football shuts down, the only thing he does is bet on the horses and go to Turks and Caicos. So essentially, he's got a six month vacation. If not, if not now, when? If not I mean, now, if when? Does it. If you look at Gonzaga as well, the two losses, you know, Duke and Alabama, but everything, their metrics are off the freaking charts. But, but Offensively, th- defensively, they'll valid. run you
1: in the ground. Why? Because of the league? I don't think they're valid. No, I don't. I don't think they're valid because I think you, you, you they're not battle tested. I think there's something about getting knocked to the canvas in the 12th round and getting your butt up and fighting again. I think there's something to it. Yeah, I I mean, We're
2: not it, shooting a Hollywood movie here. <laughs> the, the league is always going to be an issue, but they can run you into the ground. They can shoot. They can defend. Their numbers we, are ridiculous. All the same words we used last year. I know. I know. I got it. Hey, Felica, you need to stop texting and worry about Cabo Wabo <laughs> on your next vacation. All right, we continue Lombardi line.
1: To the Lombardi line on V featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again,
2: here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it's BP Madness here. It's got a great offers 29 bucks, everything through April 4th. You know what that is, College Hoops Betting Guide, Daily Best Bets, which come directly to your inbox, 24-7 video access, betting split breakdowns of every game. This is a limited offer. Happens once a year. Veasan.com/slash. Seriously, twenty-nine bucks. What's your quote about money, Michael? You got to invest it to make it something like that. You got to
1: invest it to make it. I mean, there's no. You know, you got to put a little bit. You got to put a little bit into it. You just can't like. You just can't uh, think you're going to get it just off the top. You got to have a little research. You got to have a little divergent thinking, and you've got to have somebody who's going to stimulate your mind from the opposite end in terms of. Uh, If you think you should take Indiana tonight, then listen to all the evidence about why you should take, you know, Ohio State. And that's the kind of thing that helps you lead to better decisions.
2: Speaking of which... Uh, can I ask, uh, just quickly on Baylor, the defending champs, you can find them anywhere 14-18 to 1 to win a championship. What uh, I just want to set this up because they're in Stillwater tonight. Bay- Baylor, Oklahoma State. Baylor opened 5. They're laying 5. This is a huge revenge spot. Remember, January 15th, Oklahoma State, who's much better at home, actually went to Waco. I think it was the second half of the two losses in a row uh, for Baylor at home, and Oklahoma State beat them 61-54 in that matchup. Now, Baylor likely to be shorthanded here, both Flagler And Cryer missed on Saturday. Those are two of your leading scorers, a sophomore and a junior. What I like about them moving forward, Michael, is first off, when Baylor beat TCU 72-62 on Saturday, uh, combined 30 points for Sohan and Brown. Those are two freshmen. And we like to see freshmen playing this well late in the year when you're going to get healthy with some experience, including, and I always botch this name, but the forward and the rebounder, Jonathan Chachu Tachumanga. You can look up the name and pretend to know how you pronounce it. I can't pronounce it. Uh, But they're going to get him healthy, the forward, and rebounds, which kills him right now not having the boards. And then Flagler and Cryer are going to come back. This is a team that's experienced, as I just mentioned, in the backcourt. They turn you over like crazy. Baylor is just completely frenetic as far as turning you over. I like their chances heading into the tournament. But right now, tonight, Oklahoma State catching five at home. Oak State beat Kansas State on Saturday.
1: You know, and can't, Oak State just doesn't shoot the three-point very well. I mean, they're average 30% on three-point shooting. And the other thing they do, they're one of the worst teams in the conference in free-throw shooting. And when you're going to play a close game, a six-point game, and you're going to lay the points, I think that matters, Patrick. I really do. Yep. And, you know, I just think Baylor's coming into their own right now, especially defensively, uh, offensively, where they're shooting lights out, you know, in terms of their ability to shoot from the three-point line. You know, their tempo is really good. They're third in the conference in tempo. So, you know, for me, I, I think they've got – I think they're peaking at the right time, and I think the right time is, is, is Oklahoma State, obviously, is now because Oklahoma State, I mean, let's face it, they're 13-13. They're and 13. They're not on the bubble. I don't think they're getting in.
2: No, they're not. Baylor is interesting, and Drew's interesting with the way he recruits because he's international. As I mentioned, uh, Chahumahu Chah, – sorry – you try to pronounce the name he's i think he's australian no. the big forward and then Sohan I didn't even pronounce Smith from Auburn. I mean like, you, I just said got the big got, guy you, you, to, Smith is Smith is right up your alley. That's a good name for you. Yeah Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't even pronounce his name. When we were talking about
1: Auburn, I liked Smith, the big guy who was shooting from the three point. I didn't even pronounce his name. I like you know that guy from Auburn. <laughs> that guy you know, works. I, I, I gotta get that out of my head. I'm the, you know, that's the conversation I
2: would have with that. you know that guy. And you know then that I have guy. to fill
1: in you know that guy. Yeah, we do. But somehow we ended up
2: knowing that guy, yeah. I think Sohan for the Baylor Guard, I believe he's from the U.K. Anyway, international, and you like to see the kids play well. Of course, that guard play last year carried him to a championship at Baylor. So Drew is tested. Drew, Drew's an interesting coach because for years he had talent at Baylor and would get knocked out early, and then last year made the run. So we shall see. With Baylor. I just think 18-1 on the board for them as far as the championship numbers. Uh, it's tasty. That's yeah. It's tasty. Yeah. I mean, I, I do
1: think to me when you're filling out your charts,
2: you got to see some of those
1: guys, you know, that that have experience. I mean, this is a tournament that requires experience. It really is. Now, you know, you can have the Blue Bloods and you can have the freshmen and all that. We get that and they've made it there before. But typically the teams that do advance, the Loyola Chicagos that have, you know, a lot of guys that have played together for a long period of time and they have been battle tested. I mean, that's my concern about Gonzaga. And I'm going to keep saying it is, are they battle tested? And maybe they're so talented they don't have to be battle tested.
2: But I think they do. I'm going to start throwing out some numbers here. First off, Kansas. Kansas is the only team this year that has 10 quad one wins. This is going to be seven, 16 or 17 league titles in 19 seasons for Bill Self, which is, if you think about it, that's, a, that's freaking crazy because the Big 12 is loaded every year and deep as all get out. Kansas right now sitting on the number at fifteen to one to win the title. Texas Tech, I kept on calling him Mark Davis last night, but the coach there, Mark Adams and Tech. Nobody had a better week than them last that last week. They beat a shorthanded Baylor team by doubles. They went on the road and won at Texas, sweeping the season series. They're on the board right now at twenty five to one to win a title. Michael?
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they're the second best defense in the country. I mean, you know, when you do the adjusted defense and the adjusted offense and go through all the numerical data, which I think is important, and I think it does play in basketball. I mean, other than San Diego State, they are the best team defensively in the country, you know, Mm -hmm. And, and playing in a very, very, very difficult conference in the Big 12. That speaks volumes. I mean, that speaks volumes for what they're able to accomplish, and so you know, I mean, Gonzaga is ranked, uh, the Gonzaga is the sixth best defense in the conference playing in the Western Conference. Yep. I mean, what does that, what does that mean? That doesn't impress I, I you. Know. That doesn't impress that doesn't, you much as Shania that T-
2: Twain would say.
1: Yeah, no. I mean thank you to bring her up today. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. <laughs>
2: uh yeah, I probably overrated right. Houston a little bit defensively, but they do grind. They were better last year. You you mentioned San Diego State. I'm trying to think of the defensive teams right now. Uh, Gonzaga, again, you guys. LSU's uh, one of the best teams. LSU's a great defensive I mean, team.
1: I mean, Tennessee, even though they lost at Arkansas, they're really good. The other one that's surprisingly good that I didn't realize until I was researching the numbers, but for Iowa State to play in the Big 12 Mm -hmm. and to be as good as they are on offense, you know, now they're 18-9. and I mean, they've had a good season, but they're really the seventh best team in the country in adjusted defense. I mean, so... That that's that says something right there. And then of course you got Arizona and Auburn. I think they're battle tested as well.
2: The team that is absolutely horrifying for anybody else is Kentucky right now, because offensively they're so efficient. They're getting better defensively. Uh, they can shoot the three. They're getting they're going to get healthy in the backcourt. They'll out rebound anybody in the country. Kentucky. Yeah. They they just they don't make they don't turn the ball over. Uh, they're just a team to me. Uh, They can play any tempo. I don't know. Kentucky's scary coming in. I just want to get the number here for you. Kentucky's on the board at 7.5 to 1. So they're third betting
1: favorite. I love it. I I think they're peaking at the right time. And, you know, their defense right now is only ranked 22nd in the country. But it will continue to go up. And it will go up and up as they improve, as they keep their guys together. I think that's the other thing is this is the time now We're in the second week of February or third week of February. This is now where it all starts to come together. And I think that's ultimately what it is. I mean, you know, last year when you watched Arkansas at this time of the year, this is when they were coming together. Arkansas this year just isn't good enough offensively. You know, they struggle. They're good defensively. They just struggle. You know, it's like LSU. LSU, if LSU had any offensive game, which they don't, they could really be a team to threaten because they're so good defensively. But they have zero offensive game, and it's hard
2: to watch them. If I'm gonna pick a hole in Kentucky, they can't shoot the three. That's one thing they can't do. So maybe that bites them. And come tournament time, I mean, they literally can't shoot the three. However, everything else is pretty much as you mentioned. is pretty damn good. Okay, I'm just. I was gonna give you one more team because we were talking about them this weekend. Was it, Duke's on the board at ten to one? Nova's on the board at fifteen to one, Michael. Um, Houston
1: Nova's interesting now. I mean Nova is they they don't get a lot of respect. I mean, you know, they're 21 and 6. They've got a really good offensive team. They've got the the best players in that conference really on their team. They're they're seasoned, you know, with Gillespie and Moore. Uh you know, they've got two really good players They 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 play they're offensively they're really good. They 35% from the three-point line and and you know that's not great but they're the best you know they they shoot over 52% from the field and then defensively they're really good they defend the three point line they only shoot 30% against them and, and they're able to really get you know they're able to get turnovers and they create and they and they can control the board. so you know, and I well am a lot to like about them. you are always going to be well-coached. They're
2: always well-coached. Well is, well is he a legend? He's got to be are. a legend I mean, in
1: your area, right, Jay Wright? Oh, he is. I mean, he 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 used to li- he lives down the street here. lives like four miles from where I'm doing the show. Yeah. Really? In the summertime. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of basketball people in this town. You know, Jack Ramsey, the former Portland Trailblazers Dr. coach. Dr. Jack. Literally, Dr. Jack lived right around the corner from where I lived. Yeah, the doctor. He would ride his bike up on the boardwalk every day.
2: It's the place to be, man.
1: I mean, in the summer, it's it's tough to ride your bike on that boardwalk today, and the wind coming down, you know, it's a little harder. But we got a kid here in town. Uh, we will talk about so it, when we come back. It's so fascinating. Tease it, tease it. What do you got? He's going surfing every day without a wetsuit
2: on. What is he crazy? He's doing it. He's done it since the first of the year. Uh, Some a lot of these. Uh people How's that are doing that they're in the cold showers these days i don't know if you get in the you, cold sh- we
1: lost harrison he went, he sat two two hours out of a conference and
2: he he we lost him this poor guy's going to do it every My day. man's hopping in the atlantic without a wetsuit that's insane. no wetsuit all right we come back to lombardi line we've got josh next
1: you're listening to the lombardi line on v featuring former nfl executive michael lombardi Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher.
2: Okay, if you miss any part of the Lombardi line, you can stay up to date with the free VEASAN podcast. VEASAN.com slash podcast. You can find the Lombardi line wherever you download your podcast. You see them all there. Every show we offer is podcasted. VEASAN.com slash podcast. It's all free, including our next guest, Market Insights. Kind of a nuts and bolts teach you how to bet uh, some free plays from Josh Applebaum as he joins us. Now, just go to VEASAN.com slash podcast. By the way, breaking news as we welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. It is VEASAN, the sports Betting Network. Michael, I don't know if you saw it. Shams had it. Goran Dragic is signing with the Brooklyn Nets. So he Mm. got the buyout from the Spurs. He started the season. I think he only played five or six games with the Raptors. Remember, he was involved in that Lowry trade. Now he goes back with a former teammate in Steve Nash in the backcourt for the Nets.
1: How's this going to work? I mean, Patty Mills and, you know, how does this all work together? Where is he going to get his minutes?
2: Yeah, combination of got Harden, Simmons, Irving, and Mills Simmons. in the backcourt. Now you add Simmons and Dragic. I mean,
1: where does he get his minutes? Like, how does this make sense? Like, where does this all
2: fit? You know what it is? It's an insurance policy because of uh, Irving's absence and Simmons, I guess – mental and postseason problems? I guess it's insurance more than anything. Yeah, I mean, but, you know, I mean, and he's not 100%. We know this,
1: right? I mean, we understand this. He's not the same player he once was. He was a really good player, but he's not. Injuries have kind of debilitated him. But how do you get him on the court? You know, how do you get him to get – I mean, obviously, they can get him to get minutes. But to me, like, where do, where does these minutes show yeah. up? Yeah, no, you, you know
2: that. N- I mean, he's 35, so he can't play heavy minutes. He can create shots. Yeah. But – We'll, we'll talk about it more. I mean, you, got,
1: you got Curry now in there. You got Patty Mills. I mean, you got, you, you know, away games. You got Kyrie. Yep.
2: Interesting. Josh, thoughts on – hi, Josh. Uh, first off, thanks for joining us. Any thoughts on Dragic to the Nets there? I thought he was going to sign with the Mavs,
3: to be honest with you. Yeah, I guess not a little surprising, Patrick, here. You had about, a, you know, Golden State, some of these top teams, the buyout market tends to go to those teams here in general. But uh, I look kind of like what the Nets are doing. Remember, when we really saw that Harden trade go down, you know, I think the biggest, uh, you know, public perception was, hey, you know, the Sixers won that trade, they get Harden. But I think, you know, what you're looking with the Nets is, is if, as long as Durant's is healthy, and that's a big question mark, obviously Kyrie has had his issues with uh, the vaccine, but it looks like they're going to lift some of these mandates, so he probably should be good to go. You, hear, you heard Adam Silver say it, like, doesn't make any sense that he can't play, but visiting players run Vax are able to play. I'm just looking at the odds though guys, Nets plus 600 here to win the NBA title. The only better odds would be the Warriors plus 425, Suns plus 450, who now are going to lose uh, Chris Paul for uh, you know, a broken thumb which by the way, he breaks his thumb but he still plays in the All-Star Game. Wild. If you're a if you're a Suns fan, I don't know if you really like that, guys. But uh, Nets are the favorite to win the East, or I guess co-favorites here, both plus 280 uh, with the Bucs and the Nets. And I kind of like what the Nets are doing in terms of, let's just bring a lot of shooters. You know, Dragic's probably not going to play heavy minutes, but he can knock down some threes. You got Curry on the wing as well. Uh, so probably a good boost there for the Nets. He's
1: the- got to play defense, right? I mean, he's going to have to guard somebody. I mean, that's what happens with Curry when they go to a half-court game. I mean, just watch the Atlanta series. You know, when the Sixers had carry, who was really good in the series on one side of the court, when they went down to the other side, they kept finding them. They put him on everybody. They tried to hide him as much as they could. They couldn't. Draga's got to guard somebody. And, and to me, in his in his physical condition, I know the Mavericks had talked about it, but talking to the people in the Mavericks, I don't think they ended up really wanting to get there. There was a lot of conversation. He was going to Milwaukee, and the Nets must have come out of nowhere.
2: It's fascinating. The books refuse to lengthen those Nets numbers even, you know, in conference before the championship. There's just a lot of question marks, Josh, as far as that team as Michael was laying out before.
3: Yeah, and again, I think the odds makers just saying, hey, when these guys are all healthy, they might be the best team in the NBA. But we all know that's a big question mark. So I think that the number is kind of telling you, like, hey, I don't know how much value there is based on such a short price. But when all, when they're all healthy, and again, big question mark to me, is a team that's very formidable. And hey, what if we get another, you know, Bucks, Nets, Series, Bucks, Sixers? Playoffs should be a lot of fun, guys.
2: How, let's get a market update. How'd you do yesterday? Did you bet the all-star game? Michael had the under, which cashed. Remember, Mm -hmm. it closed 224 and a half, somewhere around there. He had it at 223 as it it, uh, finished up. You had the dogs cover with the LeBron winner late there, Josh.
3: Yeah, so shout-out to Michael. I think that's a good teachable moment. Remember, with that total, it opened 321. Got bet all the way up to around 325. So when we talk betting, it's not just, you know, hey, what side do you like? What total do you like? But what number did you get? I think that's a good teachable moment of, like, hey, a line moves too much. It's not like an automatic, hey, you know, buy low bet the under there. But if you've missed the number and you're you're getting a bad over 324 and a half, think of it this way. Like, you know, anyone who got the 321 early cashed, if you're late to the party, you lose. Uh, so to me, great job with Michael having a bilo low underplay. Got the dog in that spot. Got SMU yesterday. And shout out, Michael, your Siena uh, Saints there. They, they beat me there with that one.
1: Yeah, they dominated too. They won by 12. It was a nice <laughs> win for them. I was really happy with them. You know, so it's good. You know, I mean, those small schools, I mean, you got to keep your track. I mean, the one thing about those small schools, they always – those guys don't one and done. They kind of stick together, so they get better as the year goes
2: on. Got a couple of college plays here from Josh Applebaum. We'll start in the Big Ten. Well, actually, two Big Ten plays for you. Uh, Penn State, Maryland, uh, their college park, three opener. Maryland's laying two and a half, a total of 128-ish, 129.
3: Yeah, Patrick, I was looking at Penn State in this one. What jumped out to me is kind of just a classic blueprint – road conference dog with a reverse line move in their favor so both these teams have struggled you look at maryland they're 12 and 14 below 500 penn state below 500 again here with uh, 11 and 12 record although penn state has had a couple good wins they covered against minnesota rolled them they had a big upset win against michigan state and kind of what the market's telling you guys movement toward penn state maryland open as a three-point favorite at home public is just saying hey lesser of two evils give me the home team here lane a short number but that three based on the juice is really creeping down to two and a half at a lot of shops so if you like Like Penn State, you probably want to get the three now before it falls. Uh, Ken Palm has them losing by two. So if you're getting a three or even a two and a half, you know, small uh, edge there. Penn State has the better defense, only giving up 65 a game versus 71. And if you're looking to maybe, you know, have two bets on this game, guys, I kind of like the under as well. Uh, You look at Penn State, they're one of the slowest teams in all of college basketball. They're down, you know, at the basement here by Virginia, you know, tempo territory. That total did fall 130 down to 129 ish. uh, And you do have Penn State 14 and nine to the under this year. I would lean under and give me Penn State plus three.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think Penn State clearly, they're horrible on offense and their pace is so slow that you got a really good chance to to close in on that under. I I don't disagree with you at all, Josh. I think that makes a lot of sense.
2: I think I may be the only one because I think Ken Palm has this going over as well, but I do like the (laughs) under in the Indiana-Ohio State um, game tonight in Columbus, Josh. We'll set you up on the number. Uh, Ohio State opens seven and a half. It has been bet down to six and a half. So a little love for Indiana, one thirty-five and a half. Both teams coming off you know, losses. You know, go ahead, Josh. No, you know ahead, Patrick
1: though, but uh, but I think this is two really slow-paced teams. Indiana's eighth in pace and tempo, and and Ohio State for you know we we, we they're twelfth. They're the worst team in terms of they're, they're the twelfth team in the conference. Yeah, they're very deliberate.
2: Totally de- half-court game, hundred percent. Totally agree, and that's why, again, it's late in the year, Big Ten, both teams need it. Similar resumes, both teams coming off a loss. Ohio State, their first home loss all year this Saturday. I think this is going to be a tough game.
3: Josh, where are you at? Yeah, I'm going to grab the points here, guys. You know, what jumped out to me is, you know, an unranked home favorite uh, or an unranked, uh, sorry, an unranked road dog against a ranked opponent where the line's going to Indiana here. Ohio State, uh, of course, ranked 18th. You see that little, you know, one or two-digit ranking there. Public really is biased toward wanting to bet these ranked teams versus unranked teams, but Ohio State open as a seven and a half, seven point favorite. The line's down to 6.5. Some shops maybe even getting down to 6, so you're seeing – Public on Ohio State, yet the line going to the Hoosiers here. Uh, Ken Palm has them losing by six, so again, the hook could be really critical here. Uh, You also get some advantages with Indiana, rebounding, 37 a game versus 35. They're rested, and they're off of four straight losses, so this is kind of the ultimate hazmat buy low. And Indy, it scares me. They're way better at home than they are on the road, but this may just be too big of a number here. You're starting to see it fall. They last played the 15th, uh, whereas Ohio State played the 19th. I know these are college kids. Rest doesn't make a huge difference, but Mike Woodson, you got to imagine – Four days off, or a bunch of days off here. Four straight losses. Probably working them in the gym. I'll grab the points here with Indiana guys. Got six and a half. Hopefully, before it falls to six.
2: This one, as Michael mentioned, you know this is an Indiana team that has work to do to get an at-large bid. They've lost four straight. They were in it last week at home against Wisconsin and fell apart late. Uh, they don't shoot the three. You know, I was looking at Ohio State. Ohio State does shoot the three right around 37 percent, but they didn't on Saturday. They were two for 18 from outside. This to me is just highly motivated, deliberate pace, as Michael mentioned. Two teams that need it. Uh, I think this is going to be an under. Uh, I 135 and a half to me. Again in January, these two teams combined it for 118 points. So that's where we stand on that one. Now
3: on the way out, Josh, you got to play <laughs> on the ice, right? Jets Flames. Mm. Yeah, I'm gonna see if you guys can uh, can uh, sweat this one with me. I'm looking at Calgary. Calgary is one of the you know teams here that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. We had Gamble and Lua in betting across America last week. He has a futures price on Calgary. They're plus sixteen hundred to win the cup, they're plus seven hundred to win the West. They're leading their division here, and they're red hot. They've won nine straight. Uh Daryl Sutter kind of got some good mojo going with the Flames. They made a good trade getting Tyler Toffoli. They have a really good steam move in their favor. I laid it with uh with the Flames here, guys. I know it's a big number, but they got they opened like minus 175. They're all up to around minus 220 a lot of system matches here when you look at home favorites with a line move in their favor 69% minus 200 or more off a win 78% I like this spot to back the Flames and again Winnipeg struggling as a dog in on the road give me the Flames bet not bet to win minus 220
2: when we come back I'm gonna have Michael break down the Jets Flames for 10 straight minutes so Michael (laughs) (laughs) Lombardi, he
3: says yes I'll take that
2: Josh Market Insights is the pod betting across America thank you buddy good luck today Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Okay, we continue here on the Lombardi Line presented by BetMTL.
0: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's radio's iheart country radio discover more shows and movies for free
1: you're listening to the lombardi line on v featuring former nfl executive
0: michael lombardi once again here's patrick
2: maher okay you can bet on more than the final score with one game parlay at betmgm one game parlay is designed to help you make selections within a single game from over 400 bet types including team and player props log into your betmgm account today and create your best bet parlay before the game starts now it's new if you're new by the way to betmgm uh you can get up to a thousand dollar risk-free just use that code vsin1000 and earn BetMGM reward points for casinos and lodging. Again, one-game parlay, though. Eligibility restrictions do apply. If you're a new customer, this is perfect for you. All promotions are subject to qualification eligibility requirements if you have a gambling issue. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Michael Lombardi there in Jersey. I'm Patrick Maher here in Vegas as we welcome you back. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, did you, as far as filling out the staffs in Miami and Minnesota, because... To be fair, as a betting network, how those two new head coaches fill out their staffs is going to be so important. Has anything stood out to you with McDaniel in Miami? We'll start there as far as filling I mean, out his it, staff.
1: I think the enormity of the staff. I think they've got 35 coaches oh, on that wow. staff. I mean, I think, you know, like it's, it's remarkable. I don't know if it's 35, but I just there's a lot of coaches. It's going to be interesting to see the dynamic of... Josh Boyer, the defense coordinator, who there was some conversation during the season last year that Brian Flores got more involved with the defense, which is his right as a head coach and as a defensive specialist. So it'll be interesting to see. Where Boyer on his own calling the game without Flores kind of there. Boyer will be very aggressive, almost recklessly aggressive at times. I can go back to his third down call against Pittsburgh. He ran blitz zero. They were in the game. It was when they were, everybody was yelling about him tanking. It was a Monday night game, and he ran blitz zero. And I think Schuster took it to the house. On a, just a quick yeah. slant, which was really all we knew Big Ben could throw at this point. So it's going to be interesting to see how that all works out, what McDaniel's involvement is going to be with defense. Uh, Minnesota, I'm not really sure. You know, uh, Kevin's just gotten in there, so I don't know how it's all going to play out. We shall see. Obviously, big decisions with Kirk Cousins, what they do. 35000000 million, they're willing to trade him? They're willing to extend them. Where are they going to go? A lot of things happen. I, I think the real story today is is – Is what is going to happen? The combines ten days away. I think it's sometime next week. Is are these kids going to show up at the combine based on the rules and regulations the league wants to set forth to help uh, you know with and still in a bubble atmosphere? Which do they think they need that? I don't
2: know. And the agents have plenty of pull, as you've outlined perfectly on the show. And it looks like they're looking to boycott potentially. So if they're boycotting the combine in Indianapolis. That means a lot of players may follow suit, no? Well, the
1: agents control the players, and I think what the agents want to be able to do is to continue to have their, their role within the players and not have them just kind of tucked away in that bubble. I think they want to open it up like it was business as usual. I think they want to move the bench press to a different day so they gain more. It, 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 this is obviously all a part of a negotiation. There's a bigger issue here. To me, not having a combine really becomes problematic for one main reason, medical you need to give these kids physicals you need to check them you need to make sure they get their 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 health physicals their blood physicals and then their then their uh you know all the uh the orthopedic physical that's really vital you know and and that's what what you could certainly make a lot of mistakes on and if it doesn't happen these kids are going to be flying all over the country you know and trying to go different places and I think it needs to get resolved, and obviously this, you know, with the promotion that's been taking place by putting it out on PFT that they're going to boycott, that's just really, to me, it's drumming up. We want to negotiate something. Yeah. It's how, how the business gets started. It's like taking an advertisement out.
2: Yeah, creating leverage. Quickly on Miami, they're 25-1 to 1 to come out of the AFC Fifty to one to win the Super Bowl. Nobody's got more cap space. They uh, did they bring in Bevel essentially just to work with yeah. Tua? So that's part of the well, staff I mean, as well. I mean that's
1: interesting. Yeah, I mean because Bevel's a West Coast guy. Now the terminology will be the same because Kyle Shanahan's terminology is West Coast, but the run games are completely different. And McDaniel's is allegedly an expert in the run game. Right. I mean that's his claim to fame as we've read about. So it'll be it'll it'll be interesting how they tie this all together. I'll, I'll stand and say this when. Last year, they all thought Tua's offense was bad. I I thought they did a great job with Tua and throwing the ball short, getting the ball into those receivers who can really make plays the yards after the catch. It'll be interesting to see what they do with all this cap room. You know, two years ago, they spent a ton of money, a ton of money on on players. And I think the only one that remains on their team is Byron Jones. They went through all those guys, cut them all, and now they're going to have to go back again. The key guy they got to get signed is Gusecki. The tight end. Yeah. Now I think they'll franchise Kesaki. I don't think there's any doubt about that. But and then they got uh, Ogabu, the kid that they they signed as an unrestricted from Kansas, who was a good rusher for them. I mean, he becomes a little bit of another uh, another need that they're going to have to fill. But other than that, I mean, they've got they, they've got their team intact. They got to fix their offensive line, and and they've got to be able to get some more corners on this team if they're going to play as much man-to-man as as Boyer wants to play, they're not going to live with Byron Jones and Justin Coleman, who's a free agent, and, and the Needham kid. And remember the kid they drafted in the first round? He do not even play. The kid from Iowa, Noah, and I can't say his last name, but you never see him on the field. Needham beat him out.
2: His so athletic,
1: the Penn State tight end. The, so... yeah, and he's really a tight end that, that would be, you know, he's not a blocker. He's a force blocker. He's not at a point of attack blocker. But he's got cert- certain value that, to me, with all that cap room, you know, at fifty million, they're just going to tag him. The tight end, the tight end numbers, not that ridiculous. So you put him in that category and you move
2: on. Has to be a make or break third season for Tua. Just quickly, where they stand with the draft. So they gave away their first rounder this year to move up to grab Jalen Waddle last year. However, they do have a round one selection with that 49er pick swap. So they are sitting twenty sixth in round one. Uh, they've got the 50th pick in, in, in round two. My assumption, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is they probably will add a player on offense through the draft. But, again, they have 60 million-plus in free agents as far as cap room.
1: Yeah, but they've got to fix this line. I mean, this line's not good, right? This offensive line isn't very good, and they're going to have to fix that. They've got some needs on their team. They, don't, they have cap room, but they, they don't have a good team. I mean, they've got to fix it, you know, and so they've got to get this offensive line you know in in place and they can create more cap room and the owner seems to be willing to want to spend money it's just i don't know how good this free agent market is even if it's not any good you're overspending for players so I, but i do think that you know they will be very active and i think they got to be active in the offensive line and particularly in the defensive front as well
2: yeah i guess i was asking about the assistants because and you mentioned McDaniel has such a large staff isn't it when they got hired late in the cycle like McDaniel and the O'Connell up in Minnesota. Isn't it hard to fill out a staff? I mean, you're just just,
1: right. Not really. There's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys available, you know, and so you can do that. I I don't think that's an issue. I think it's getting the right combination, and I think it's really hard for a guy who's never been a head coach, who's never really been in a true leadership position, to have these big staffs because that means you have to lead more people that you've got to lead with, that's hard to do. It's hard to be leading all these people. You've got to be able to do that. So uh, I I think that's the challenge.
2: And McVay kind of set the blueprint with the defensive coordinator when he got there, leave the defense alone, and then after one year moved on from Phillips, started to take more. Because eventually the head coach has to take ownership on both sides of the ball in all three phases as well.
1: Yeah, no doubt. And I think that's the personality has to take ownership. You've got to kind of do that. And Sean has been able to do that when he made the decision to really move on from Wade because he felt like Wade was too... Predictable rush five play man. You know Wade's a great coach, but you know they wanted some diversity. And if you want diversity, Wade wasn't going to be the guy to get it for you. So I, I think ultimately that allowed him to kind of get. And Wade's personality allowed him to have some some role within the team. I think it's going to take O'Connell and it's going to take McDaniel a little bit of time to get there too.
2: Is Wade going to jump back? It feels like when he's so active on Twitter. I my assumption is even though he's a little bit older, he wants to get back in it.
1: Yeah, I get that sense, too, listening to him. But I don't I don't know where. You know, I mean, I, I think, to me, Vic Fangio decided not to come back. And so I think Vic probably felt like he needs a year off. You know, I mean, look, never say never. I mean, Dom Capers just became a consultant at 72 for the Denver Broncos. So I would not rule anything out. I really wouldn't. Rob but, Ryan's you know, going to be I mean, hanging
2: out with your son here, Rob. And no, he's not yeah, as old, right. but he got another opportunity. Here's what we need to do: we need to keep Dominic and Rob Ryan away from each other because those two out on the town could be dangerous.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know Dominic's out on the town on the boardwalk right now. Don't worry, he's in good shape. He's got everything taken care of.
2: I didn't know Dom Capers got a gig. Dom Capers is in his seventies. My goodness, he looks good for his seventy-two. 70s.
1: Yeah, he does in great shape, you know, but I mean, sometimes that experience can certainly help, especially with a new coordinator coming in. And and obviously Nathaniel Hackett has some form of relationship with Capers. I'm not sure where it goes to.
2: All right, go write that book. Are you going to
1: write the book today? Been writing it, Patrick. It's coming. You know, I'm trying to finish up this draft chapter, and then I'm excited to write the uh, the, the television chapter, and then I can start ranking the players. So I should be in pretty good shape.
2: Okay, enjoy your day. And if you go surfing today, make sure you wear a wetsuit. Right? No, I'm not. No. This
1: kid's unbelievable.
2: <laughs> He's a psycho. Michael Lombardi, have a good Monday, buddy. Thank you. Thanks, Patrick. Okay, thank you to everybody behind the class as well. Odds on's coming up next here on vsin, the sports betting network. If you missed anything, it's vsin.com at V-CIN Live on the tweet machine. We'll see you next time.
0: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City.